You're tuned in to the Nonprofit Chatter, brought to you by Nonprofit Pro with our friends at Pursuant. New T and Taylor Shanklin are getting real and sitting down with nonprofit leaders to chatter about issues affecting nonprofits today. Be sure to subscribe to us in your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss these conversations with your nonprofit peers. And check us out on the web at nonprofitpro.com slash podcast slash nonprofit hyphen chatter. Welcome to the Nonprofit Chatter Podcast, hosted by me, New T, Editor-in-Chief of Nonprofit Pro. And me, Taylor Shanklin, VP of Marketing at Pursuant. The Nonprofit Chatter will give you an insider's look on the most pressing challenges facing nonprofit leaders and fundraisers today. And we're going to talk about how nonprofits can overcome those challenges. In each episode, we'll engage in an invigorating conversation with industry leaders and find out what tools and tactics nonprofits need in their repertoire to make their vision become a reality. We're really excited about this episode. It is episode number 14 of the Nonprofit Chatter, and we're going to be talking today to Dan Schoenfield, VP of the ASCM Foundation, and Rebecca Segovia, EVP at Pursuant. And they're here to share their insights on creating leadership from afar. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. For those of you who don't know, I just wanted to point out that Dan was a 2018 Nonprofit Technology Professional of the Year for Nonprofit Pro. I'm looking forward to chatting with you both. So how are you guys doing? Great. Absolutely great. Happy to be here and uh, share some of these insights today. Me as well. It's great to be here. Thanks for having a, uh, having us talk about this very important topic around leadership. How do you do it uh, with teams remote and teams that are afar? So excited to be here. Excellent. So great to hear. But before we get started, Dan, I'd like to shine the spotlight on you. Can you tell us more about ASCM Foundation? Yeah, absolutely. So so we are what I like to call a startup foundation, if that exists in this sector. But uh, so uh, ASCM is the Association for Supply Chain Management. Uh, they've been around for about six decades. They've been the authority really on, on supply chain management, um, and they provide uh, certifications and they serve as the 501c6 membership organization for the supply chain community. Um, earlier this year, they decided to walk to launch a new philanthropic foundation, really to just further the impact and solve a lot of the critical supply chain problems going on today in the in the global economy. Um, for me personally, um, 10 years of working for a large private foundation, um, and I worked for a technology company focused on grant making and impact, uh, I was lucky enough to uh, be asked to try and build and scale this ASCM foundation. Ironically, I actually happen to be a supply chain engineer, so I was very familiar with ASCM over the course of my career. So. Uh, I feel like my career has kind of gone full circle and, and now building a, a foundation from scratch with the resources of the association and, and amazing staff. I'm happy to say we officially launched the foundation in October. So it's been quite a ride and uh, definitely been drinking from a fire hose uh, ever since. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I mean, from the sounds of it, you guys sound very, very new. So I'm interested to see your your take on everything and um how your background and all the different sectors plays into it. So let's get into the first question, which is about leadership and grant making. Dan, what are some challenges and what is your advice for foundations on this? Yeah, so this is a great question. So at, at ASCM Foundation, we really focus on four strategic areas, which 
allows us to kind of see leaders in a whole different uh, strategic light. So we focus on health and humanitarian supply chain work, which is in sub-Saharan Africa. So you can imagine the challenge with having leadership on the ground there. Um, we work with foundations like Gates Foundation and Global Fund to do that. Um, but we also focus on workforce development and building leaders in the supply chain community within the United States, uh, specifically with people like military veterans or displaced workers or, or workers in underserved geographies. So, you know, I think focusing on leadership and grant making is absolutely paramount to, to strengthen relationships with nonprofits and, and community leaders. Um, my biggest advice for, for foundations is really building the trust with the community. Um, leaders and nonprofits are the ones doing the work on the ground, and they're really the ones solving the problems. Uh, I think nonprofits particularly go stronger when we really empower these, these leaders um, to shape what success looks like. So having worked for a large private foundation before, you know, my advice to grant makers is to focus on really a bottom-up approach versus always thinking because you have the money and you're doing the grant making, you also have the solution. So many foundations just, they don't do a great job realizing the burdens that are placed on um, nonprofits from an administration capacity or just a capacity building um, as they're trying to scale. So, um, you know, use your role as a grant maker to really create kind of conditions for collaboration. Um, and that's really what we're doing with, with kind of our leaders that are, that are far in, in Africa, our leaders that are um, you know, working in uh, areas uh, across the U.S. We're trying to really create that condition so they can collaborate, so they can really work with each other, share best practices, and, and, and make each other better on the ground. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate what you were sharing there about the collaboration needing to happen uh, between the grant makers and the people that are receiving the grants. I happen to serve on a nonprofit board that works in South um, Sudan and Uganda. And as you can imagine, it's a really hard place to go. It's a really hard place to work um, given what's happening there. And we do a lot of our funding actually through um, grants. And I was working on one this weekend with the executive director. And it's one of those things where we really wish we could have the time to sit down with the grant maker and better explain this is what we're trying to do from a capacity building standpoint and can we can we lock arms can we go shoulder to shoulder on what this is going to look like to build out the capacity plan for the next two or three years to get this up and running because we too this organization is 10 years old but still in startup mode because of what happened in South Sudan three years ago the war came back and they had to move everything to Uganda and so we've been getting operations um, set up in, in Uganda and South Sudan sorry, from South Sudan to Uganda. And you can imagine the infrastructure um, that needs to be put in place when you're having to move your um, organization from one country to another. And so I love how you're challenging the status quo, which is how do we get the, those that are receiving the grants and those that are making the grants to start having that dialogue to help nonprofits um, not only build their own capacity to, to fund whatever it is or solve whatever is the challenges that they're facing or trying to accomplish in the world, but um, to get that conversation happening between the grantor and the grantee, if you will. Um, do you have any advice or things that you could share that you've seen work in the work that you're doing? I'd love to learn from you. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's so so I think convenings are so important to grant make. I think that, you know, foundations really need to invest in the in the leaders, right? The nonprofit leaders at multiple levels, paying attention to things like, you know, color populations of historically marginalized groups. Um, you know, we embed diversity and inclusion in all of our strategic initiatives. And so when it comes to the convenings, we actually went back and challenged Gates Foundation when they said we want to help you with our we want you to help us with our public health initiative. And we said, look, it, it's, it's not enough to just go in and teach groups of people to be better supply chain practitioners. We need to put them in a room where they can support each other. They are the people that when we leave a year or two years, three years from now, they're the ones that are going to be doing the work. And if you want this grant to be a sustainable solution, you need to put in place a what we used to call an engineering school was a continuous process improvement right so mm -hmm. you know the way for them to to constantly get together to share those best practices things that are going right but but most importantly things that aren't going right so um it, i remember my time when i was at knight foundation we had a really really neat initiative it was called on the table and we used to go into communities and we used to bring all these leaders together and we used to just literally have them break bread like old school thanksgiving style right mm -hmm. so they could talk about the issues in the community and you would you would pull these leaders from all different races diversity you know geographies uh you know rich poor middle class everybody from that community that that had a say because these people need to work together and they need to understand how to you know share when things are going right and when things are going wrong and and that was an entire grant program associated with that so um i think that when when you're doing nonprofit work and you're working with foundations you know it's okay to push back it's okay to say look at the end of the day, 10 years from now, when you when you're out of Africa, because, you know, hopefully we've we've cured polio in, in Kenya, um, I'm I'm going to still be here. And I need I need to be able to have some sort of, of of convening type process where we can constantly talk about, you know, what's going right and what's going wrong. And so as we're talking about being a great leader, right, for nonprofits, Dan, I, like it can't be easy managing different teams. And I know your organization has two different teams, one in Chicago and then one in Africa. What does your day-to-day -day look like? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It definitely has its challenges. Uh, managing my day-to-day -day activities can can feel draining at times, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, so, so my day tends to start pretty early because of those teams. Um, that are working in places like Kenya, Nigeria, Senegal. Um, I'm a big believer in communicating daily and, and quick check-ins are always always kind of my, my, my modus operandi. Um, I'm usually on the phone with these leaders constantly, so important things don't get lost in an inbox. Um, <clears throat> I think that we all get so many emails on a day-to-day -day basis. Picking up a phone, talking for five, 10 minutes is, is definitely uh, more productive. Um, but also, I, I meet regularly with local nonprofits in our community in Chicago as well, whether it's a community group that's focused on workforce development or apprenticeship or something uh, you know specific in maybe underserved areas or, or the large private foundations that are really making the big national bets on, on improving things like STEM education, which we focus on as well. Um, so, so not much downtime, but I really think as, as a grant maker, as a foundation, you have to really be plugged into not just the national and, and international aspect of what you're doing, but the local communities. 
Dan, I totally agree with you. Getting out of your inbox and getting on the phone and being as face-to-face as you virtually can um, is very important. Sometimes, obviously, when you're crossing time, time zones and you're in areas where they actually can't use video conference like we can, um, at least being able to hear someone's voice is important. The way that we go about convening our teams, because at Pursuant, our, our staff is all over the, the country and all the time zones, we try to do the same thing get out of our inbox. Uh, we try to meet in person um, as much as we can. And by per, um, by in person, I mean virtually. So we live on Zoom or Google Hangout or what's available um, so that we can at least have that interaction because what you know um, in leading teams is being able to see someone and see what's not being said, if you will, through the body language um, also um, helps actually build stronger, better teams. And so we do a lot of that. I also um, like to convene my team uh, three to four times a year so that we can just be together and talk about where we headed over the next quarter, where we headed over the next year, and how do we start writing um, objectives and key results that, that allow us to drive towards whatever the thing is that we're being asked to do, whether it's with our clients or the internal work that we do. I don't know how that translates when you're um, sometimes working uh, on the other side of the world and they don't have the ability to um, jump on a phone call as easily or um, jump on a video chat as easily or convene as um, easily as we can here in the States. Have you had to come across any of that in your work, Dan, and how have you um, accomplished solving for that. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Ironically, I uh, get on a plane this weekend to head to Africa for two weeks. So I will be uh, in and out of countries where, you know, you can't exactly just jump on uh, Slack or send an email easily, or there may not even be connectivity in, in certain areas. So um, I, I think solving that issue is, is really being um, descriptive about what you're asking for, right? So, so more communication when it comes to electronic communication, actually, I find is not always better. <laughs> so um, I like to I like to make sure that you know if if there's an action item, I'm very specific. You know, here's the action item. Here's what we need. Always put next steps if if you're asking for something. Um, just be really uh, intentional about what why you're sending this communication, especially if it's an email, knowing how many emails we all get nowadays. So um, I just like to, to make sure that we're, we're very descriptive about what I'm asking someone to do. Awesome. Okay, so, you know, aside from the communications issues, I'm sure there's plenty more obstacles you face, Dan, in managing your international teams. Can you talk about that and maybe provide some examples? of some kind of big challenges that you've encountered and how you've overcame them? Yeah, I, you know, I think the biggest challenge and the biggest obstacle with, with managing multiple teams all over the world is is honestly something that it sounds so simple, but maybe it's not, and it, it's trust, right? Um, you have to realize real quickly, you can't be in multiple places in the same time and, and you can't make all the decisions. Um, you have to hire talented, mission-driven individuals. You have to trust that they're going to make the right decisions. Um, I've always used the, the moniker in my career, I'd rather you make a decision and be wrong than not be a decisive leader. So I, I firmly believe that. You know, you, put, you always want to put somebody in a position to succeed um, and, and be a decision maker. And uh, Ironically, I was, I was reading um, Mark Benioff's new book, um, and he, he has an entire chapter where he talks about how he got to a point as he was starting Salesforce and he really needed to, um, he needed a co-CEO. He just couldn't do everything. And he was giving 
you know, all this effort, but it was only about 50% as he, of, uh, 50% of what he knew he could do because he was just split over so many different initiatives. And so he got, he got to that point where he said, I need a co-CEO. And I kind of think of the same, same type of leaders that, that I, that I hire and I work with is, you know, they're all my co kind of vice presidents. They're the, they're the co leaders of this organization. And, and if you're hiring people that are talented um, but not just talented, but really mission-driven um, that believe in the same things and you trust them to make those decisions, then that's really going to you know, hedge a lot of those obstacles when you're on different time zones or continents or, or you can't be in you know, multiple places at the same time. You know, I think that it takes a very strong and great leader to recognize that they can't do everything by themselves and they need to you know, hire trustworthy people on their team to help them manage and I think that's a great point that you made uh, Rebecca I know you guys probably don't deal with international teams but I, mean, I know people at Pursuit probably work remotely I would I'd love to hear your take on that yeah so first I want to I want to comment back on something Dan that, that you were talking about um, that I really resonate with I at Pursuit, we all have leadership stands. So what that means is we have a way that we show up every day to help um, drive our objectives. And we encourage our clients to have these as well. And my leadership stand for the last year and a half has been I'm an empower of people and a maximizer of talent. And what that looks like for me is any room that I walk into, whether it's um, <clears throat> the room at Pursuant or the rooms with our clients, I try to get a good understanding of how the people in the room are wired and what are the things that motivate them and then how do I help set them up to empower them and their work and their mindset to actually achieve um, to achieve what's in front of them. And sometimes it's just sitting and having those conversations and asking, you know, why do you think the way that you think about the thing that's in front of you? And um, we found that if you ask why five times, you usually get to the root issue and then you can actually say, okay, well, if this is true, what, what are the paths either around it or through it? And so um, it has really helped unlock um, with the clients that we work with really good discussion on how do we get to where we want to go and what's actually holding us back? What are those headwinds, if you will, that are in, in our way? And what are the tailwinds that we can leverage to really drive um, drive whatever the thing is forward. And so we use that both internally and externally. Another thing that I would love to share is um, as we're looking to build teams or we're helping um, lead teams, there are a couple of factors that we believe help drive outcomes. And so um, the five factors are this. One is affinity. So do your teams have high connection and confidence with each other? And if they do, usually they can drive um, a speed and ease of execution. They can get things done really quickly because they have high affinity with each other. Um, do they have high levels of ownership for their work? Um, is there an accountability that's there? Is there a consistency around that accountability that's there? And if so, then the outcome for that is that you can produce you know, the extraordinary, whatever the thing is that's in front of you, we can achieve that because we have high ownership of our work. Um, another contributing factor there is interdependence. Do we work well together? Um, do we know that we don't do it all independently, but that we are working with the other departments or teams, whether it's stateside or abroad, to ensure that we are driving something forward? And what that really leads to is 
great thinking. You can get great thinking in the room when you're working really interdependently and you can solve for things really well, which allow us to really drive results essentially. Um, in the nonprofit space, another co contributing factor is purpose. And in the nonprofit space, I find that a lot of people are doing what they do because they have um, a high value on what the organization is doing. So they are already kind of, they're already in, they, they, they see the future and they want that future to be a reality, which allows for high resiliency and engagement and spirit. So the purpose usually is something that, that I find is, is a high factor in any of the organizations that we work with. And the final factor is risk. So, and what I mean by that is, do you have an organization where you have the freedom to communicate and say what's not being said in the room? And if you do, then that can drive high creativity and innovation, which then leads to producing those great results. And so oftentimes when I walk into nonprofit organizations, usually they're really high in purpose and they're usually really high in affinity. They like each other. But the three areas of opportunity usually live in ownership, interdependence, and rest. And so what would it look like for those that are listening to this podcast or, you know, us just on the podcast, what would it look like for us to ask those questions of ourselves and of our team? You know, do we, do we produce um, the outcomes that we say that we're going to produce? Do we work well together? Is there a high speed of execution? Can we count on what those results are? Is our team resilient? Um, can we, can we bend and flow? And do we drive creativity and innovation? And so, um, those are things that I found in my time at Pursuant and uh, in working in the nonprofit space. If we can make sure that those factors exist, you can really create extraordinary results, whether you're stateside or abroad. Awesome. So much good stuff. So much good stuff in there. One thing that we like to do here at the end to kind of wrap up a, a great episode like this is to recap on a few highlights. And and so I just wanted to point out a few things that I heard in in this conversation and some themes for our listeners to really take away. And one of the last things that you just said, Becca, I think also leans into something that Dan pointed out here towards the end of our conversation. You talked about, you know, asking someone why five times to get to the root of the issue and then really having a level of like being able to trust the team that you can take a risk and you can kind of really put on the table what what's up and dan also leaned into that trust factor i think that trust factor is so so critical when it comes to managing remote teams and working with teams across the globe and across the country and in different locations so i really just wanted to point out that that large trust factor and feeling like you have a team that has an open space to share what, what's happening there. And then another couple of things I wanted to pick up on was there's times, like you said, Dan, where like, just get out of the inbox and pick up the phone and hash it out in five minutes instead of like 20 emails, right? We've all been there. So I think that that was a really, really key thing when you're thinking about this topic. And then lastly, Dan, you also talked about getting plugged into local communities. So if your organization is serving in a local community across the globe, go over there and spend some time with it. I thought those points were really, really key when thinking about this topic of managing from afar and really bringing people together from all over the world. So Dan, Rebecca, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Nonprofit Chatter and sharing your insights on international leadership because it's the world that we live in today. 
Great. Well, thank you guys for having me. This was this was really fun and, and look forward to doing this again soon. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, too. So on behalf of Nonprofit Pro and Pursuant, we will see you on the next episode of the Nonprofit Chatter. Have a great day.